This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Again tonight, we want to look at the topic of faith as is presented in the scriptures. And we're going to look at the basis of our faith. The fact that it's rooted in a faithful God. In our country and perhaps in other places around the world, people will refer to their faith. Uh, well, uh, my faith is a private thing. and Well, I have faith. And, and there are expressions about faith. Many different motivations for expressing whatever they're trying to express. But for Christians, it's different because of what faith is and where our faith is centered. In fact, the one who, on whom we center our faith said this, if you have faith as a grain of what? Mustard seed. And you say to this mountain, be removed into the sea, it'll be done. And what the Lord was teaching there is it's not the amount of faith, but it's where you place your faith. So that's, that's going to be what we focus on tonight. And Lord willing, when we're done We'll be convinced in our heart, Lord, I need you. John 15, 5 reminds us again that with abiding in Christ, we can do, without abiding in Christ, we can do nothing. But again, the reverse of that is when we abide in him and his words abide in us, we, will, we can ask what we will and it's done. Not because we are great prayers, but because he is a powerful listener. He's our God. Now, being in Christ and depending upon Christ are two different matters entirely. Again, being in Christ, in other words, having placed your faith in him for salvation, being in Christ, but then depending on Christ, those can be two different things. So with Christ within us, we need to depend on him completely so he can live his life through us. This is why, again, Hebrews eleven six 6 reminds us, but without faith it is impossible to please him. Christianity is impossible without faith dependence. Unless you're depending on the Lord, without him we can do nothing. But in him, with Christ, all things are possible. I mean, it's so clear, these, these contrasts that the Lord gives us. So faith is the fruit of the Spirit. We know that from Galatians 5.22. And God must grow faith in us if we are going to please him. Now take your Bibles, and I'd like us to just, there are other passages we could go to. But go to Ephesians chapter 2. And 
I want to establish something tonight that you and I need to be convinced of as we move forward. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where does the faith come from? Well, it's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not what you produce. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But you already knew this. In fact, you were reminded of this. If you were a child and raised in a church that believed the Word of God and you memorized verses, look at verses 8 and 9. For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith and that, grace and faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift from who? From God. It's what he produces in us. Not of works, lest any man should boast. All right? Now, look at verse 5. I'm going to back up in chapter 2. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye saved. Okay? We were dead. How dead is dead? It's pretty dead. Okay. Paul in Romans will say, dead indeed. That's cold dead. Okay? Now, I'm emphasizing something. Dead is dead. And yet, as you look at the verse, he quickens us together with Christ. How does he do it? By grace you're saved. So he gives the enablement that includes faith for us to be able to come to Christ. Now drop down to verse 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. And that's not the verse I was looking for. All right. Um, I'm looking for the passage, and maybe somebody here can quickly help me, where it talks about how God gives to every man the measure of faith. Romans 12, verse 3. Thank you. Romans 12, verse 3. Look at that. Pastor Radice, we're going to keep you around, brother. Okay, this is the text you know, where we're to present ourselves living sacrifices, not be conformed to the world, be transformed by a renewed mind. Look at verse 3. For I say, through the grace that I mustered up myself, no, grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think himself of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. As God has measured out faith. Now, this could take our minds down the road. Well, God gives faith to some and he doesn't give faith to others and the whole matter of God's sovereignty and free will and so on. We don't need to go down that road for the simple reason that the Lord said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. What does that mean? He tugs at every man's heart. And he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. That's what he is. What he wants to do. That's what he's willing to do. 
Okay? And so, uh, God wants to save everyone as he draws them. Okay? There is a measure of faith. I believe that he wants to give them. Some will reject. Some will accept. All right? So, that is God's business. But here's what we need to understand. If you desire faith from the Lord to, in greater and greater ways, depend and let him work through you, God's going to grant that. God wants to grant that, and we're going to see that <clears throat> in just a moment here. All right, so we must truly understand what faith is before God can grow it in us. Again, look at the slide uh, that I've given you. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What does that mean? Well, faith is the assurance, substance, of what has been promised by God and it becomes conviction or proof in us, though physical eyes may not have seen it yet. Again, God speaks, you can take it to the bank. Just trust it. It cannot fail. The only thing that can fail is you if you refuse to trust it. If God speaks... And I thought about this today. I shared this the illustration of what happened in that doctor's office. Again, no glory to me. I'd rather just sit there and be quiet. And by the way, look on a couple of those people. They wish I had just sat there and been quiet. <laughs> but what did the Lord promise? In those moments, if you'll just trust me, open your mouth, I'll fill it. Now, question, did he say that or didn't he? Yes or no? Yes or no? Yes, he said it. Can we depend on it? I shouldn't even be asking the question. He said it. And I can trust him completely because he said it. And what he has said is based on who he is, his character and his power as God. There shouldn't be any pause or hesitation in my heart about any of this. None whatsoever. So, when God speaks, I have the assurance it can be my conviction and proof. Understanding and applying true faith makes impossible Christianity possible. Now, let me give you an illustration just to try to be practical with this. Many of us know who Hudson Taylor was, faithful missionary to China, by the way, a man who lived by faith, a man who understood that the key to missions is Christ in me, the hope of glory. That was Hudson Taylor's spiritual secret. You can read his book. But that was it. And he learned to just take God at his word through faith dependence. But God taught him some lessons early on as God worked in his heart, Hudson, trust me, by faith alone. As a young man preparing to go to China, Hudson Taylor determined to learn to live by faith alone while he was still in England. His resolve was, quote, to learn before leaving England to move man through God by prayer alone. He worked for a doctor and was paid quarterly. When the time drew near to receive his salary, 
Taylor was disturbed that his employer said nothing about it. Hudson had only one half crown piece, but he determined not to break his resolution and ask for a salary. While visiting a needy home on the Lord's Day, and let me just pause, if you read his biography, these guys in London would take their Sunday afternoons and not nap, nothing wrong with your nap, okay, but they would take their Sunday afternoons and they would go out into the city of London, surrounding communities, and they would try to win people to the Lord, and, and that was their visitation time. All right, so he's out there. Taylor felt led of God to give his last coin to a needy family. The next day, he received an anonymous gift through the mail, four times what he had given to the poor. Again, he's, he's withholding, asking his employer to get paid. The following Saturday, the doctor finished up his work and said, Taylor, is not your salary due again? Taylor told him that it was and became disappointed when he learned that the doctor had forgotten about the salary due uh, to him and sent all the funds to the bank. So he's like, Hudson, I owe you money. Sorry, I can't pay you. It's all in the bank. Bank's closed. He prayed about the matter, for he had bills of his own to pay, and left it with the Lord. That evening, the doctor visited him and said that one of, the rich, of his richest patients had come over after hours to pay his bill. He gave the money to Taylor, who rejoiced. He had learned he could trust God and that God would sustain him in China as a missionary. When Hudson Taylor went to China, he made the voyage on a sailing vessel. As it neared the channel between the southern Malay Peninsula and the island of uh, Sumatra, the missionary heard an urgent knock on his stateroom door. He opened it, and there stood the captain of the ship. Mr. Taylor, he said, we have no wind. We are drifting towards an island where the people are heathen, and I fear they are cannibals. What can I do? asked Hudson Taylor. Well, I understand that you believe in God. I want you to pray for wind. All right, Captain, I will, but you must set the sail. Why, that's ridiculous. There's not even a, the slightest breeze. Besides, the sailors will think I'm crazy, said the captain. But finally, because of Taylor's insistence, he agreed. Now, let's just pause. If you're going to pray for wind, set the sails. Forty-five minutes later, he returned. There was another knock on the stateroom door. And as the captain stepped in, he found the missionary still on his knees. You can stop praying now, said the captain. We've got more wind than we know what to do with. Amen. All right. So a man that knew how to live by faith. Now later, Hudson Taylor, reflecting back on his life, would, would observe this. Many Christians estimate difficulty in the light of their own resources, and thus they attempt very little 
and they always fail. All giants of faith have been weak men who did great things for God because they reckoned on His power and presence to be with them. Isn't that good? They estimate that a million and a half Chinese were swept into the kingdom of God through the faith of this weak man who discovered that his God was faithful. So tonight, we'll look at the key component that makes impossible Christianity possible. And that is trusting your faithful God. Oh, I just got to muster more faith. Wrong view. Lord, help. Lord, help me to believe. Help my unbelief. But Lord, just help me to focus on you and what you said and to trust you. So we must come to the understanding that since it is possible to please God through faith, Okay, he said, without faith, it's impossible. So what he's trying to draw us into that realization, it is possible through faith. He said that in Hebrews 11.6. We must understand then that he is working to fill the believer with this precious spiritual commodity. Being faithful is something the Lord does through us as we live we allow Him to live through us as we live through Him. So possible Christianity begins with the person of God. Believe that He is who He says He is. Who He says He is and who He has revealed Himself to be. And that's why the Word of God is so precious. This is a sword. It's powerful. But why is it powerful? These are the very breathed out words of God. Wow. He spoke the worlds into existence. Even the night in the garden of Gethsemane when the Lord Jesus is ready to be arrested and he's going to go and go to the cross for us, they come out in a mob to, to arrest him. And he says, who are you looking for? And he says, I am he. And the whole group just falls down. If there was a time when our Lord was the weakest, He had just finished sweating drops of blood because of the anguish of His soul, still in His voice, those words, there is infinite power. That is who your God is. All right. So going back to the Old Testament, what do we know about our faithful God? Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, He is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love Him, and keep His commandments to a thousand generations. Now notice that it's not only referring to the faithfulness of God, but the faith that God produces in man when they're willing to de depend on Him. Did you notice the corollary between God's faithfulness and those who get to experience His blessing as they respond in love and faith dependence to what He has said? And by the way, I love Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9 because this is not just, I trust God so I can get what I want. Don't, don't think that. 
What did the Lord say? I'm not going to answer your prayer if you pray to have it consumed on your own lust. It's not about that. Now, I do want to bless you. But notice that word love, those that love him. This is about returning what he is due. Bringing glory to him. And when we come in faith for his glory, his benefit, he promises, Lord, I want to benefit you. I am the faithful God and I keep covenant and mercy with those who will exercise faith towards me. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. So God requires practically what he is perfectly. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 4.2, you know this passage. It is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Full of faith, dependence towards him. And again, God requires in us practically what he is perfectly. Faithfulness. You say, well, I just struggle to be faithful. Yeah, because you're looking to you to be faithful. Look to him who is faithful to make you faithful and depend. A man or woman believe, uh, believes in the, who believes in the absolute faithfulness of their God. What God has assured them about himself becomes conviction, proof that they can trust his person, his promises in any situation. My boss forgot to pay me. Okay, I need to take this to the Lord. He's got it worked out. He said he would supply my needs. And folks... When, when, when God's children exercise faith in him who is faithful, they have no reason but to be full of faith. Again, more, more proof here. 2 Thessalonians 3.3 3. The Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. He's faithful. Now, what if we fail in our faith and do not trust him from time to time? Well, that's going to happen. Doesn't need to, because of who God is. But what happens if I fail to trust him from time to time? 2 Timothy 3, or 2 and verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful he cannot deny himself. He cannot deny who he is. It is his nature, his unchanging character. He's faithful. We may deny him through our unbelief, but he cannot fail and therefore cannot deny himself. This is the God with whom we have to do. Isn't that glorious? Wow. That's God. So no matter what comes your way or whether you have failed in the past, there is no reason why your next decision shouldn't be a faith decision. Confess the unbelief. Agree with God about that. Ask God to help you turn from the unbelief. Now, Lord, help me to look unto Jesus. 
and help me to trust what you have said and just to obey. Now, your flesh may want to kick and scream. You just think God's word you, and you resist. You do what God asks you to do. So, maybe it is a decision like, I need to start tithing. I haven't been tithing. And you look at your bank account and your flesh is trying to convince you, I can't afford this. God has spoken. You can't afford not to just give to God what He requires. Let the Lord know that you love Him, that He is worthy of this, and that you know He has said He will supply your needs and give it to Him. Don't give it a second thought. Or if you want to give it a second thought, go to God's Word and see what He says He will do and promise to bless you for your obedience. Whether it's that or whether it's any other area. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again rejoicing, doing what? Bringing his sheaves with him. Well, pastor, that's an Old Testament text. Okay. Do you want to go there? Because we can go to parallels in the New Testament that give us all kinds of assurance of what God had already said and promise that God is going to use us to see folks come to Him. Follow me. That's faith in the faithful one. And I will make you fishers of... Really? Or I'll just stand on the bank and keep trying. No, you will become fishers who get men. That's the promise. Okay. So, consider this. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way of escape, that ye may be able to Bear it. God is faithful. So God's person is so faithful that he overrules all testing and also in the testing provides a way for you to escape it. Do you know what that text is teaching? Whenever you are facing a temptation or a test, God says, and in this context it's speaking about temptation, to enter into temptation, enter into sin, by the way, even the sin of unbelief. Withholding from obedience when you have no reason to hold back from just following God. But here, here's the point. When we face a testing, that temptation, God also promises a window of opportunity to escape. When I disciple folks, I use this illustration of NASA. You know, NASA has windows. Years ago, when the space shuttle would, would go around the Earth, they had windows. The space shuttle had to come back through those windows at a certain time so that they would land in Houston or Cape Canaveral or out you know, in Southern California at Andrews. You, you had those windows. If you missed the window, you could still come through, but you'll end up in the rock's backyard. All right, And that's not a good thing if you're in a space shuttle. Okay, so when Joseph is tempted by Potiphar's wife, that's real temptation. Okay, what's his response? 
he looks to his faithful God and one day in the house she reaches out and even grabs the guy. What does he do? He takes the window. He escapes. And everything comes apart. He's lied about. They throw him into prison. And you're already ahead of me on this. What did the faithful God do? He took the prisoner and made him prime minister. Why? Because God is faithful. And everything you're facing, you can probably go to the scripture, find a biblical example of somebody facing similar circumstances who trusted their faithful God and were delivered. Why? He cannot deny himself. Now again, what if we fail? I don't take the window. I yield to the temptation. I cave in that moment of testing. What then? How many of you here tonight can quote 1 John 1, 9? Okay, most of you can. I know it's late on Wednesday night. Let's see, what is that? For? Okay, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. Faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He's faithful. So will there ever be a time in the future of the church when God's people will have reason, real legitimate reason to doubt his faithfulness, yes or no? No. Not if we're thinking clearly and biblically about who our God is. Nothing has ever happened in history or from the pages of Scripture or be honest in your own life where God fails you. He never has. He can't. All right. So, will there ever be a time when we really have to wonder if he's faithful or not? No. Realize that when Jesus comes back triumphantly at the end of the Great Tribulation to set up his millennial reign, there will be a name that he is called by those who follow him. This is what the text says in Revelation 19 and verse 11. Right now, the seraphim, the angels, the saints around the throne, holy, holy, holy. But when we come back with him, what is the name that we're going to call him? John said, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. By the way, when he lands on the Mount of Olives, splits that open, and then walks into Jerusalem, do you know how much of the scripture is going to be fulfilled when that happens? Why? Because the faithful God spoke. And I love the fact that this is called by the apostles, the faith once delivered to the saints. Why? It can't fail. It's what we base everything on and for absolutely good reason. And when Jesus comes back, what's the name? Faithful. He is the truth, the life. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. All right. 
This is why we need to know God through his word and through our personal walk with him as his word guides us by the spirit. As the spirit guides us through the word, I should say. Knowing our faithful God will spawn faithful, dependent living in us. Unless your eyes are on you. Keep them on the faithful one. I believe J. Gresham Makins summed it up. His statement sums it up best. I'm going to leave you with this tonight. The more we know of God, the more unreservedly we will trust Him. The greater our progress in theology and the simpler and more childlike will be our So let's yield to the Spirit of God so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh, but when we yield to the Spirit of God, He produces in us that faith dependence. For we're willing to trust God no matter what. What a difference it'll make in our lives, in our ministry. Oh, the glory it'll bring to the Father when we trust His faithfulness and are faithful. May God help us to live this Christianity that without Him is impossible, but with Him is very possible for His glory. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened and God's word has had an impact on your life as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.